Hey, welcome back to The Sound Table. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Austin, and I'm joined by your co-host, Miranda. Hello. Miranda, go ahead and tell them what we're going to talk about in this episode. Today, we are going to talk about the key factors to being a successful music producer, musical artist, songwriter that do not include raw talent. So maybe some things that you guys have not thought of or not on the forefront of your mind that make somebody successful, excluding their talent, because obviously it's includes talent. Right. And to be honest, these are going to be things that really do apply to kind of any career field, any job interview that you're going to go to. This is just, we're going to basically talk about how to land more paying projects, some things that might be holding you back. And once you actually do start landing projects, how to kind of make sure that they return and it's artists that you can kind of build and grow and connect with long-term. So let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's kick it off with the first kind of thing in this topic that I think that we should go over. And to be honest, this is one of the more self-helpy points that we're going to be kind of covering in this episode. But it's something that I think has kind of been a mantra to my life personally. I know, Miranda, yours as well. Um, And to be honest, most of our friends that we have that have been successful or created businesses or have gotten far in whatever industry they're in, it's just something that kind of always works. And the first thing that I want to talk about is just taking any project, even if you feel like you might be underqualified. So I want to talk about this because I think a lot of people uh, get scared of opportunities when they come up because they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm prepared to work with this, you know, caliber of artist, or Mm -hmm. I don't know if I am to the point where I can be charging this company X, Y, and Z to make a song for their ad. And to be honest, most of the cooler opportunities I've ever gotten personally have all kind of stemmed from somebody wanting me to do something that I may not have ever really done or tried before, but you just say yes and you dive in and you learn as you go. And to be honest, one of the biggest keys of successful people in any genre or in any kind of walk of life is that first and foremost, you really are just a problem solver. And so if you can kind of take whatever projects get thrown at you and you can solve the problems of how to handle that project, how to learn that genre, how to work with that certain kind of artist, I think that you're going to have a much better career because you're not consistently saying no. You're not getting scared and intimidated by potential offerings because I see a lot of people just throwing away, you know, high potential projects because they they might be a little bit self-conscious or they might be in their head or have their imposter syndrome. It's the fake it till you make it mentality, which everyone does. No one knows what the hell they're doing. Everyone is faking it, just figuring it out as you go. That's like the way everyone does it. And that's like the most successful people. That's what they do. Literally. That's what I've heard from everyone. Like when I first started working with Austin and we were like, yeah, let me quit my job and then I'll work with you. I didn't know how to edit videos. I had no clue what I was doing. Literally at my job, they're like, oh, do you know how to edit? And I was like, uh, no, but I'll figure it out. And it's true. It's like, I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't know how to run a business or have, you know, a website and edit. I didn't know how to edit videos, but we figured it out. Yeah, you just figured it out. Like yeah. even when you you had a, a job interview at your marketing firm and then when you were leaving and they're hiring process to kind of replace you, you said that you saw one of the biggest common factors in an interview was like people who were not intimidated by things that they might not be super proficient in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if your job asks, you know, can you do this program? Can you learn this program? You just say yes. And then yeah. you figure it out. Like the worst case scenario is you give it a shot and you can't learn it or it's not for you. And it's a wash and it's a learning experience and that's fine. The best case scenario is it's something that you can pick up super quick and easy. And it's something that 
Nobody has to know you're not proficient in. You just get in there and you learn it and you do it. There are so many things that you can learn on the spot. There are so many ways that you can kind of really impress yourself with diving into things that you thought you might not be, you know, excelling at. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think that if if you're denying projects that are willing to trust you because you don't trust yourself, you're already losing. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised how much you can do. Like if you just throw yourself in the deep end, you'd be surprised that you can actually swim and you can do it and you'll be fine. Like it's really scary to do, honestly, but you'd be surprised how much strength you actually have putting yourself in scary or vulnerable situations that you don't think that you can handle. You truly can. 100. I mean, that's like humans live off of fight or flight. Yeah, And like, I don't think that in the business world, it's much different or in the production world, it's much different, you know, of like, Mm -hmm. If every inventor of everything, if every producer, if every musical artist just waited until they really felt like they were 100% ready to release a product or ready to collaborate with an artist. Or like or ready deserved to, it. Right. Like so many people think they don't like deserve it because, oh, this person's worked harder than me or they've struggled more than me. And it's like, fuck that. Yeah, shit wouldn't ever happen. <laughs> yeah, ever. it never would happen if you just sat back and like waited till you felt like you were worthy of something. You are worthy of it and you can do it. So... You know, I want to go ahead and kind of wrap up that first point. It's just to me, that's kind of the prerequisite of like trust yourself, trust your judgment. Again, in the intro, we kind of had a precursor of obviously you should have some proficient level of talent. If you're getting out there, you're trying to take paying projects, you're trying to don't like say that you're a professional and you're not not trying to to do something like that or say you have a degree and you don't actually have said degree not to that extreme (laughs) it's just like put yourself out there and if if it's clear that somebody's going to trust you with their project let them trust you with a project don't immediately distrust yourself to the point where you're like oh i appreciate it but like i just i don't know if i'm really prepared for that or ready for that like fuck that get prepared for it and do it you know (laughs) like otherwise nothing's ever going to happen because you're never just going to be at the point where you're like okay i think i'm finally prepared to like work on a drake song yeah you're just gonna do that to you put yourself pigeonhole yourself your whole life 100 percent. so i hopefully somebody hears that first point and they start taking more risk with the projects they book and the projects they take believe in yourself guys believe <laughs> this sounds like a fucking dj khaled podcast now all right you want to go ahead and dive into the second point which is putting yourself in a position to meet people mm. so uh, this is a little bit different than like just saying yes to whatever projects i think I see so many people that are like, how do you get paying projects? How do you meet so many artists? Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, are you, you know, interacting with artists on social media? Are you following artists? Are you liking their stuff? Are you communicating with them? Are you, you know, offering help that's not a paid service? Are you just genuinely meeting people? And then other than that, like when you go to places, do you tell people what you do? Do you, you know, kind of wear your your job or your profession on your sleeve. Not in a sense where you have to be like the annoying asshole walking around who's like, I'm a music. <laughs> but like at the same time. You'd be surprised some, how many people ask you though. <laughs> yeah, literally. We live in Orlando and every time Miranda and I go out to lunch, there's somebody that's like, what do y'all do? Once we've gone somewhere a few times and we like kind of like know them, they're like, what do you guys do for a living? And it's like, all right. And then it's really easy to just be like, oh, I'm a music producer. And then you can tell them everything. You can show them their site. And I've had multiple people that are like, oh, that's crazy. You should link up with my friend or you should link up with this artist. And like, you just have to be friendly and be social online, offline in your local community. If you, you know, meet one artist, 
kind of, you know, try to build some kind of rapport with them where they can kind of connect you with their friends. And to be honest, like, I'm not saying that you have to become best friends with every artist that you work with. No. But I think if you're able to be friendly Friendly, and you do have a relationship that is just more than, hey, I'm going to send you stems. Can you send me this mix back? I Mm -hmm. think that it it does a lot for your career. I think you're going to have them as a returning client. I think that you're going to... Like they're more likely to recommend you. Yeah, that's how word of mouth works. Right. It's literally. (laughs) So, you know, all, all in all, like... I guess this is just a less douchey way of saying, like, you just have to be likable. Like, that is really the biggest factor is, like, being social and being likable. Like, unfortunately, unless you're on a massive publisher or unless you, you know, are just already in these insane sessions, the thing that's going to get you into sessions or that's going to get you to connect with artists is just meeting them or connecting with them online and being friendly and just, like, making them feel like oh this person feels like a good person like they feel like Mm -hmm. they have a good vibe they feel like I could trust them with my project because before you ever step into a room with an artist or before you ever get hired to produce something remotely they want to feel like they trust you they want to feel like they know you and that doesn't get done if you're not actually meeting people Mm -hmm. you know I feel like it's so easy for everybody to just be like oh I just want to like you know post a TikTok every couple days and then I'll have a bunch of inquiries come in but it's like yeah those aren't like really high quality inquiries. Yeah, right. they might be paying and that projects. that might happen, but it might not. Right, and they might be paying projects, but like, are they going to be returning clients? Are they going to be, you know, artists that are eventually signing to labels? Like, mm-hmm. this is a really long-term thing, especially if you're an independent producer or songwriter or musical artist. One thing I will say is if you're not a super social person, if you, you know, are very socially anxious, if you don't feel like people skills is your expertise or like having charisma is kind of your thing maybe look into having something like a manager or a representative where they can connect you with artists where it is more of a professional relationship from you because that is a a really common thing I see where I know a lot of people who are amazingly talented but they just don't feel comfortable putting themselves out there they're they have told me themselves they don't really like meeting people or they're not super super friendly with strangers and that's Mm -hmm. totally fine and totally understandable yeah we've all got different personalities but then If that's the case, then you need somebody who is like that on your team to kind of represent that for you. Yeah. Because the biggest producers that I know are super nice, super charismatic. They are kind of like a light in every room that they walk in. They're just fun to be around. They're fun to work with. They're fun to hang out with. And I think it opens a lot of doors and opportunities for them because people want somebody who is, feels like a friend. Even if it's still a professional relationship, Mm -hmm. you still want that human-to-human connection because at the end of the day, we're making art. Right. And I think that that's really important when somebody's trusting somebody in the artistic process. Definitely. Let's go ahead and transition onto the next thing. And it's kind of an extension of of being social and being likable and just making friends everywhere. And that is just having good communication skills. Like, this could be good communication skills as in you can carry a conversation well with a stranger. Again, like I said, me and Miranda end up having 20-minute conversations almost everywhere we go because if somebody asks us what we do, we tell them, and then we talk to them about their lives, and then before you know it, like all of the local businesses we go to, we've basically befriended <laughs> all of the employees and owners. Yeah, I don't know why that happens, but it does. But it's just good communication skills. Yeah. So that, like, that in person is a big thing. But then also too, just like good communication skills in the sense of if somebody sends you a message, do your best to respond. If somebody is waiting on an email, do your best to be timely. Like these are things that when you are making relationships and when you're trying to get in the door with people, they want somebody who they feel like is responding. They want somebody who they feel like is paying attention to their messages or just somebody that they feel like they can trust with their project because it's not going to be some big communication issue two months down the road when you're halfway through an album of 
you know, like, oh, shit, I can't even get in contact with them. For some reason, you know, when I call them, they try to dodge me. It's just like weird short conversations. I think also being able to communicate clearly. Yes. What you're doing, what they want, like being able to understand and communicate clearly with a client, I feel like is also very important and makes them feel more comfortable, makes them trust you more with their project. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's a super good point because one of the things I see most with producers, especially who do remote work like I do a lot, is Mm -hmm. they're like, well, how do you limit revisions? How do you make sure that you're like nailing the project? And it's just communication, right? Like I have a phone call with every artist I'm going to potentially work with before I take on the project just to meet them, make sure that the communication is good with them, make sure that they get a good vibe from me. And then other than that, like, I like to be as thorough as possible when I'm like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? What do you not want? What are we trying to achieve? What are we trying to not achieve? What am I steering clear of? And if you can have the communication skills and you can have the kind of uh, capacity to just understand what parameters are when you're working with an artist or when you're working with a label or when you're working with an advertising agency in any field, it just makes the process so much easier because there's not any of that guesswork. By the time Mm -hmm. I get inside... Cubase to start working on a song. I know what's expected of me. I know what the artist wants. They know what I should be working on remotely. And there's not this weird back and forth all the time of like, oh, that's cool, but I was kind of expecting this. Or, oh, yeah, maybe we can use that later, but I'm kind of wanting something like this for right now. Like, if you're doing a bunch of projects, you're not going to have time for shit like that. You might as well be as thorough as possible. And having that communication skill of just tackling conversations early on in the process, even in terms of like when, you know, artists or clients or something start getting out of hand and start derailing a project, having the kind of communication skills to be like, look, we need to get back on track. This is not where this needs to be going. It's huge. Otherwise, you're going to have projects going astray. You're going to have projects where you're not delivering what they expect, or you're going to have projects where both of you start to kind of fall into this weird pattern of taking forever to respond to each other. And then when you do respond, everything's like this weird, vague, almost passive aggressive thing. I just think it's so important to kind of develop those communication skills. Otherwise, you're going to run into problems that are not even necessarily problems when you do start working with people. Yeah, leaves less room for confusion. Yeah, it'll be that whole like classic thing of like two people arguing the same point eventually. Yeah, which we love to do. Yeah, me and Miranda <laughs> are kind of, we're pro with that. The next thing I kind of want to talk about is, honestly, this might be the most important thing, especially if you're working with artists in person. And that is just being a good vibe during the session. Be a good vibe, guys. It sounds so annoying and like <laughs> so does. LA, but to be honest, we're to a point now where most artists know production. Most artists do a little bit of production. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, the artists don't need the producers like they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. A lot of the time now, a producer's job is to get in there and help pull the best out of the artist, help pull the best out of the rest of the people in the room. Your job as a producer is to kind of curate the vibe and run the session and understand what your job is, what everybody's job is, and kind of get everybody together to do one thing. You're kind of the runner of the session. A lot of the time, people get so worried about being like so professional in a setting where they don't communicate, they don't have a good time, they don't laugh with the artists, they don't, you know, take a break every now and then and just go play pinball in the lobby. It's just like little things like that where Again, this is human to human interaction. If artists are going to be in a room with a producer for four to six to eight hours and they're going to do that multiple times, they want to be able to just take a quick break, have a conversation. They want to be able to, you know, flip on a basketball game or flip on the office. And it doesn't always have to be work, 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 work. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I think is the most important is like knowing what the intention of that artist is. If an artist is trying to get in and out, then yes, obviously you should be as efficient and as professional as possible. If it's a writing session where the artist is just kind of blank and you're a little bit blank and you're kind of looking for something to do, 
it is so much better to just do something else rather than just sit there and stare at a blank computer where you both have nothing. You know, maybe yeah. you can inspire something, maybe share a story with each other. Maybe, you know. Need to have good energy, I feel like, too, to be able to have good art. Like, if your energy is off, then you're probably the project you're working on is going to be a little off. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you have, if you're not getting along or you're not vibing with each other, whatever it is, like that's going to reflect in whatever you're doing. 100%. More than likely. Not every time, obviously, but I think it is important to like meet, work with people that match your energy, match your, I don't know, vibe. Your vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I hate saying that, but I'm like, what's, that's why I'm trying to use the word energy. Like, what's another word? <laughs> yeah. Your vibe, your energy, your aura. Yeah. He's going to say aura, but I was like, oh, that's too LA. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's too too much i mean to be honest though it's it's a thing that i see a lot of producers especially when they start going like to writing camps and and working with people in sessions is like they they might feel like they're in a place where they don't feel like they belong you know that imposter syndrome sets in yada yada Mm -hmm. yada like at the end of the day if you can make an artist feel comfortable if you can make the rest of the team that's in the room feel comfortable you're gonna have a good session you're gonna have a good song at the end of the session the most awkward thing is to get in there and you be super awkward and uncomfortable. Now the artist feels super awkward and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're too scared to recommend an idea because you're, you're not too sure in it. And then they're too scared to give you honest feedback because they don't know if you can handle it. Like, you don't want that shit. You want to get in there. You want to kind of make it understood that I am a professional. I have no problem handling the session, but I'm also here to have a good time. You know, like we need to come out with the best song possible and we need to have a fun session. Otherwise, it's going to be miserable. Another factor where communication is very important. Yeah, communication is going to tie into all of these. Yeah. Like that's it, the most important thing I think as a human species that we need to we need to all be better at is just communication. I feel like so many problems would just be resolved if we all communicated better. One hundred percent. I mean, if if I'm honest, like I see so many amazingly talented people where I'm like, if you would really just just understand how to navigate other people you could be so successful. Yeah, people skills though are really hard. They are. Like you truly, it's not something you can like read in a book and then like you know how to do it. It just comes from experience. I think working in any kind of service industry or retail industry of any kind, like where you're forced to be around people all the time, I feel like you really learn a lot of different personality types very quickly and it really helps with your people skills. That's how I feel at least. I do too. I mean, to be honest, like we're, you, there's going to be some people who are just always awkward, always a little oh, bit antisocial and like, that's totally fine. Like, you know, I'm sure there's producers out there doing massive records where they're just like kind of a strange person in the room, but yeah, their work sure. is so good. That doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it's also extremely hard to get to the point where you're getting those sessions yeah. if you're not fun. This obviously doesn't apply to every, pro- like, I don't think every successful producer, musical artist, whatever has followed these things these are just like i think interesting conversation points in general about out things outside of raw talent right because obviously the talent is going to be the most important thing and that's why and also some of these people it's just good timing it's just good luck like truly (laughs) right like you see producers all the time that started working with an artist before they popped off and now that the artist is huge like drake's producer yeah look at 40 and drake look at elangelo and the weekend like i'm sure that 40 was amazing to have in the studio. I'm sure he's amazing at curating a vibe, understanding Drake, knowing what Drake wants. And if he didn't deliver every single time, I don't know if he'd still be there. Oh, yeah, of course Same not. thing with Elangelo. Yeah. Um, so at the same time, I don't know what their in-person and studio vibe is like. I've never met or talked to or worked with either of them. No. But it goes to show that when you work with the same artist for 15 years, 
there's there's a connection there, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they are family at that point. And that's one of the most, like, valuable things, I think, when you're working in this industry is making those long-term connections where, you know, like, Forty's done projects with other people. Elangelo's done projects with other people. But at the end of the day, like, they have their artist, and that is, it's almost like a joint artistry. Yeah. And, like, that only happens if, if the vibe is there, you know? Yeah. Um, their energies match. 100%. <laughs> Uh, you want to go on to the next point, though? Sure. I think the next point would be just, like, being prepared for when a project happens. And this kind of goes back to our first first point of, like, just taking everything that you can possibly get offered. That does come with a caveat of, like, you need to be prepared to some extent. Like, you need to know your tools. You need to know techniques that are going to suit you. And you just need to be able to, like... Once you do get into a session where even your imposter syndrome sets in and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should be here. You start to dive in and you're like, nope, I understand everything. I'm prepared. I have some demos that I've worked on that were in a similar style. I have listened to a lot of records in this style. I see so many people that are like not prepared for when a session comes up. So when you say be prepared, do you mean like know your tool set, be prepared? Do you mean like have demos, be prepared? What do you what do you mean here? Because yeah. I'm I'll clarify. Confu- OK, I say I'm a little confused. So for one, being prepared, being like, yes, obviously you need to know your tools. You need to know your hardware. You need to know your software. You need to know that like when an artist comes into your space, you're not going to be sitting there fucking with a mic for 45 minutes. Like you can plug things in, you can get going. Your workflow is super efficient. Like having your workflow down to a T is one of the things that no matter what genre you work in, no matter if you're doing ad music or jingles or top 40s, having your workflow is like one of the most essential things. And it's one of the things that I don't see a lot of people actually perfect. I see a lot of people go in and dial knobs forever. And every project is kind of just like throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. And then being prepared in the sense of just like, even if you get an opportunity where you feel like, oh my God, I'm going to say yes to this, but I don't know if I'm to the point where I should be saying yes. Like, let's say that I get an offer from, I don't know who's a big, like, let's say Bad Bunny, right? Like hits me up and he's like, hey, do you want to come do a track? Like, I don't work in reggaeton a lot. I don't work in Latin pop, Mm -hmm. but I'm absolutely going to be like, fuck yeah, I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I would do to get prepared for that is like before that session, I'm going to listen to all of his music. I'm going to listen to all of his competitors' music. I'm going to listen to the music that has influenced him that might not be his or his competitors' music because I want to understand that artist that I'm working with. I want to understand that project that I'm walking into. And even though I might not have made something like that myself in the past, when I go to make something like that, I'm going to have a much better understanding of what they want, what's expected of me. And then also being prepared to like, if if somebody reaches out to you, they probably want your personal style. So having some kind of game plan of, okay, here are the benchmarks of this artist that I'm going to be working with. Here are their things that I need to deliver on. But here are some things that I might want to try to incorporate for my own style. Because mm-hmm. if they didn't want that, they could have been working with whoever they were working with before. Right. So just going into a session prepared of like, I kind of know what I want this to sound like before I even dive in. Mm -hmm. Like when I get hired for a project that's remote, like I said earlier, I'm going to have almost down to the T exactly what I want to do in my head before I even open Cubase and start messing around. Yeah, but some people might not write like that. Yeah. And I mean, that's cool. I'm all for experimentation, but experimentation can always come after you've tried a couple cool things and you can kind of have kicking off points. You don't want to sit there with nothing to get started. And I guess you can always like, if you're not somebody that can like have something written in your head, you can always practice at home before you go to a session. Right. That's where I would walk in with something like a pack of demos or something mm-hmm. like that of like, yeah, being prepared. You don't you don't have to have a song done in your head before you go, because obviously you want it to be a collaborative process. But if you can have ideas, yeah. like I would never, ever, ever want to just walk into a studio session and be like, 
ooh, I'm dry right now. Yeah. Like, I, I have writer's block. Nothing ticking up there. <laughs> yeah. The elevator ain't going to the top today. Like, yeah, that's just that. not what you want. So if, if you're going into a session, if you are accepting projects, which I think you should probably try to accept everything that you get offered, there's going to be a period in between you getting it offered and when you have to actually start or deliver. And in that period, I think it's imperative that you get prepared. You know, like, if I got hired to make, I don't know, a jazz song, I'm going to spend a couple days just researching different VSCs that I might want to download or different uh, sample packs that I might want to download. I'm going to go, you know, find some MIDI progressions or, or start writing some things that I can kind of use as jumping off points because I feel like a lot of people walk into a session not prepared at all. They're mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, we'll just like see what happens today. Yeah. And that's great. Sometimes that can lead to a really cool song because everybody comes super just like open to do whatever. But if you have three different producers that come into a room and none of them have anything as a jumping off point, you all just kind of sit there twiddling your thumbs for two hours and waste a bunch of studio time. That's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, because someone's paying for that studio time. (laughs) Right. And if, you know, even if it's my studio at home, that's times that I could have been working on paying projects, Mm -hmm. you know. So just try to be prepared when you get those offers. Say yes to everything and then use the time in between that to say, here's what I need to do for me to deliver this as good as possible. That make more sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm glad. No, I, I understood what you were saying, but I was like, I feel like you need to like elaborate on this a little bit more. Right. Well, I'm glad I did. Yeah. And I hope the the listeners were able to pull from that. Yeah. I'm trying to give you guys the perspective of someone not from the music industry. Yeah, fair. So that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I guess it's like the same of like if you went at a marketing firm and they were like, oh, do you know this, this, this? And you were like, yeah. And then they were like, okay, we're going to offer you a $150,000 salary. And then you have, you know, three weeks before you start. You're like, shit, I don't know how to use that program. Like, you're probably going to go look up a little bit about that program before you start. If you're getting offered that much money, you probably know how to do those things. But yeah, I know what you're you saying. You might not. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. You might not. Again, everybody's faking it till they make it. That's true. The last thing that I really want to dive into is just being dependable and being reliable and just doing a good job every time somebody trusts you with their art. At the end of the day, word of mouth will always be one of the strongest tools because it holds the most weight, right? Like hundreds of thousands of people see our YouTube videos every month. Out of those hundreds of thousands, a couple hundred reach out for me to work on their projects. And out of those, I pick a few. But if I have an artist that I've worked with and they're recommending me to their friends, it's almost like a one-to-one thing of like all it takes is one or two good recommendations for somebody to be like, okay, let me give this a shot. Mm-hmm. It just carries so much more weight than advertising online or, uh, you know, putting yourself in people's spotlight on YouTube or Instagram. Yeah, it's like anything in life. Like if your friend recommends like a new, I don't know, food to you or a new place to eat, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go here because my friend recommended it. But if some just like you just read a review online, you're like, "Mm, I don't know. Can I trust that? Like you can always trust people that you know a little bit more or like, I don't know. I feel like knowing that someone took the time out of their day to recommend something or someone or whatever, it holds a little bit more weight than an ad or whatever. 100%. I mean, even look at stupid stuff. Like Look at the chicken sandwich from Burger King, right? Like, you're going to see a million ads on that, and people are going to be like, I don't care about this. I think that's actually gone now. It is. So, RIP for you guys who loved it. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, we were vegan. We never even got to try it. No. I heard it was good, though. (laughs) But, again, you see ads for things all the time, and you're like, yeah, yeah, like, it's their job to make me want to buy it. Yeah, That doesn't entice me. Right. Or, you know, you see somebody posting on TikTok, and you're like, yeah, but they're trying to get me to look them up. I got an, an Instagram ad for something all the time, constantly on Instagram ad for it. And then my friend was like, oh, hey, I bought this thing 
off an Instagram ad, like it's awesome. You should buy it. Boom. Went and bought it because my friend recommended it. Right. But I'd seen the ad. I'd seen the ad like 20 times by the time she recommended it to me. Yeah. So if you can be dependable and you can make artists want to recommend you, that is invaluable. Like one, knowing one artist leads to knowing three, knowing three leads to knowing 10. That's how you started your entire career was just word of mouth. Because when you first started, you weren't doing YouTube. You weren't doing anything like that. You were just posting it. You had the Facebook group, obviously. And that's how people, a lot of people found you. But a lot of people recommended you in that group or a word of mouth happened through that group. And that's how people found you. Because if I was going to get a project, I didn't want to only get paid for that one project. I wanted to get paid for that one project, lock them in as a returning customer. Yeah. And make sure that they were going to recommend me to the other three or four or five artists that they knew. Which kind of ties into literally everything we're talking about, like being likable, being dependable, being like being able to communicate clearly. Like these are all the things that matter that people will recommend you for. 100%. Yes, your talent is something that people are going to recommend you for, obviously. But those things are, you'd be surprised. Those things are so important to clients. And I think they should be important to clients. So you, if you have those skill sets, that'll get you so far in life in general, but especially in whatever field you're working in. Right. The biggest thing that a a job looks for when you apply is like they want to call your previous employers and see, are you rehirable? Right. Like you can say whatever you want on your resume. But if a a previous employer is like, I wouldn't hire them again. Yeah. You're screwed. Yeah. More than likely. Yeah. (laughs) I just think, I don't know. There's we've talked about it a little bit on the like how to make money with when we talk about like how to make money with streaming and stuff like that is. Mm You know, we've talked about you have a one cent fan where they listen to you a couple of times on Spotify. You have a $10 fan where they buy your music. You have a $40 fan where they buy your music and they buy merch. And then you have a $100 fan where they stream your music, buy your music, buy the merch and come out to a tour. Mm-hmm. It's much more important to make a thousand one hundred dollar fans than it is to make a million one cent fans. Yeah. And it's the same as a producer. It is much more important to have 30 artists that you work with consistently than it is to work with 300 different people. And to be honest, like, I think that held me back for a long time was I was just taking so many, uh, you know, freelance projects. And like, I wasn't able to spend a lot of the time building these longer term relationships like I'm doing now with the handful of artists that I'm working with. And to be honest, I don't regret it because I made a very good living and I got to kind of try everything. And Mm -hmm. I like a lot of the work that I made. But that leaves a lot more room for projects that don't go amazing projects that I drop the ball on the artist drops the ball on or that you don't feel passionate about right like I feel like all the work you do now you're very passionate about it and you're very inspired by a lot of it but sometimes when you're working with 300 clients you don't feel that excitement that passion because you don't have these relationships that you're also building on top of plus the project you know what I mean right like I'm still going to do as good of a job as I possibly can I want to give them the best song but at the same time there's just there is a little bit of that like intangible bounce back of Mm -hmm. you know like an artist fully trusting me i fully trust an artist and like it's much more experimental it's much less calculated it's much less like having a job as a producer and more just being a producer yeah i can totally see that i think it does depend on someone's personality type because maybe you are the kind of person that wants to work with 300 people in a year and like just have very like simple relationships with people and not like build on top of it but you know, I think it depends person to person, but I think eventually everyone will get to where they're like, mm, I'd rather have these like more solid actual relationships with my clients than right. just like they hire me for a project. I feel like it feels... You don't feel like a commodity. You feel yes. like a piece of their 
artistic puzzle. Yeah. Like I've had a lot of projects where I get hired for my sound or because they, you know, I've had projects where they think they can hire me because I'll, you know, post a tutorial using <laughs> yeah. their song on YouTube. And it's That's like, so weird. <laughs> I don't, I don't want that all the time. You no. know, like it's cool if I can help out an artist and I can do my job and I can make a little bit of cash and, you know, and you I do good work. you make a lot of money that way too. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things of like, what's important to you? So I hope this analogy doesn't come across poorly because there's no right or wrong way. Everybody has their preference. Right, I, that's I what I was saying. Tons of friends who are like, oh, I don't I don't ever want to do label work because it's yeah. not dependable. I would rather just take my 200 projects a year and make my 150 grand and then, you know, I'm, totally I live fair. a life I like outside of that. Yeah, totally fair. And then I have other friends who are like, I want to be at the studio at 2 a.m. and if a song gets cut, cool. And if it doesn't, I had an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like, you're going to have something like Chipotle that can feed a lot of people and it can satisfy a lot of people and it's affordable, it's quick, that's amazing. And then you're going to have three-star Michelin restaurants that only serve 20 people a night and they're super expensive, they're way harder to get in, but it's not about reaching, it's not about feeding as many people as possible, it's about giving the best experience to a few people. Yeah. And that really is kind of the same as a producer it's like do yeah, you want to be a like great analogy somebody like 40 who's like i'm saving all my best shit for drake or do you want to be like somebody you know me a couple years ago where it was like i'm gonna give everybody everything and i'm just gonna try to make as much music as possible mm-hmm. there's not a right and a wrong way it's just a totally different thing yeah it just is totally it's like your personality type really falls right. into that because i feel like two doing that many projects can kind of drain you creatively oh yeah i've definitely had projects where i was like I don't regret doing it because I got hired to do a job and I did my job, but it does suck that I gave an amazing song away to somebody who ended up only getting like 600 streams because they didn't push it or they didn't have the And then if something comes along that you're really excited about, well, now you don't have that project or you don't have the creative energy to give to that project. So yeah, it's kind of like a personal thing. It's a catch-22. Yeah. I mean, that is a little bit of a kind of a side tangent that we went off of, but it does all stem from just being dependable and kind of having that word of mouth. (laughs) I totally forgot. (laughs) Yeah. ADHD just running this episode. Really, we really went on a tangent there. But I do do think that's important because it's important to kind of figure out what you want. Like what career path do you want? You know, do you want to be that long-term producer that's like getting in there and almost developing artists? Or do you want to just make your job working from home, making a bunch of money and putting out a bunch of music and you're kind of cool with it? But I think at the end of the day, both of those jobs require dependability. 100%. That's just what I was going to say is Mm -hmm. like, even, even with the smaller indie projects that I've done, I've had projects where I dropped the ball and like, I'm not going to get recommended after that. Like I've had projects that I wasn't a good creative fit or that the artist wasn't a good creative fit or whatever, whatever. And it's like, uh, you can't have more projects like that than projects that go amazing because you need those projects that go amazing so they can recommend you to five, 10, 20 other people because otherwise you're, there's such a big market of artists and, and companies and producers who need help that just don't know where to find it, if you can have people recommend you that they know where to find it now. Yeah. Rather than just kind of shooting in the dark and kind of waiting on projects to happen. So those are kind of the main things I wanted to address. Miranda, do you have anything else to add of like skill sets and characteristics of just generally successful people versus people that might be consistently kind of held back? Um, I don't think so. I just think try to be authentically yourself. Don't try to like put on a show or fit into a box that you think you need to fit into. I think people can see through that more than you think they can. Um, And I think a lot of these like self-help guru people on the internet 
are kind of like that in my opinion. So I think just be yourself and be in it. And then that'll get you so much further than anything else, honestly, at the end of the day. 100%. And don't be a dick. That's pretty, that's pretty much my advice. Be you, but don't be a dick. Only be a dick to people that deserve it. Fair enough. Yeah. Just be a trustworthy person. Be a nice person. Be a professional person. And I mean, other than that, like once if you can land a couple bang projects, if you have those things, it should be pretty easy for you to just keep growing. That's my thing is that people are going to want to work with you because you're you at the end of the day. So just as long as you got that. Own it. Yeah, you're good. Own it. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up pretty shortly. But before we do, let's go ahead and hop into recommendations recommendations okay well you go first because you always make me go first yeah i'll go first i'm gonna recommend uh something that is actually in the studio right now with me and that is this fuzzy basketball from chinatown market also now just called market miranda got it for me for christmas it's a fuzzy little basketball almost like a plush pillow she's been messing with it this entire time (laughs) yeah i was gonna say it's been in my lap this whole time it's so soft it's such a cute little piece of decor it's fun i'll like throw it around while i'm bouncing stems maybe we can post a picture of it yeah we should post a picture of a little slide uh, of smiley yeah he's very cute so if you're looking for cute little studio decor uh the chinatown market balls make cool little throw pillows market Oh, yeah, I think they're just market now. That, yeah, that one I says Chinatown so. market. This one's older, though. Well, she got me that uh, limited release. How much yeah. did you pay for that on StockX? Too much. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> uh, they have a bunch of cool colors, though. They actually have different textures. I like the fuzzy ones for the studio because they're kind of just like pillows. Yeah, it's they like have fuzzy real basketballs. and then like almost like Sherpa-y, I guess. Yeah, it's like Sherpa, boucle, and then it's like f- like fake fur. Yeah, fuzzy, like soft. But that's going to be my recommendation. Um, I can give another one if you're still thinking, because I do have one more recommendation. One more. I actually have a couple more. I'm like pretty stoked on studio editions. You can't give that many recommendations. All right, real quick, I'm going to recommend, there's a company called Audioscape who does uh, like hardware. And I have been using the 1176 Rev D from them. And it is amazing. We're actually tracking Miranda through it today for the podcast, because sometimes she gets a little bit excited and she talks super dynamically okay (laughs) so we got her running into the compressor and it sounds amazing i've been using it all the time if you are looking for uh, analog hardware but you don't want to go pay you know three thousand dollars for a piece from uad definitely check out audioscape the prices are super sick i actually like the sound of it better than the uad 76 um but this is not sponsored i bought that with my own personal money uh it's just something cool that i think a lot of people should know about but i'm gonna recommend harmless harvest coconut water it's the best coconut water, no doubt, and it's pink. It's naturally pink. They don't put dye in it, but um, it's just the best. I love it. And every single time I feel like shit or like I feel like I need, like I'm dehydrated, just drink a little glass of coconut water. Ooh, so much better. Yeah, we had our COVID boosters a couple of days ago and she's been living off that coconut water. It's just so good. Like if you have a really hard workout and then you drink a glass of coconut water after, Ooh, it's different because it's, it's got different. all the electrolytes and the amino yeah, acids and- exactly but it's natural it's not like i mean i know gatorade is like has electrolytes and everything like that but it also has a lot of sugar you guys i did not know that i was just looking at one the other day gonna buy it it has like 60 no it has like 25 grams of sugar something like that yeah. which is i did not know but um this all the sugar is obviously this coconut water obviously has sugar as well but it's not added sugar, at least. Honestly, so. that's a great recommendation because producers are normally dehydrated as fuck. Yeah, so you guys. Drink water. Drink, drink more co- water. Drink, drink coconut co- water. Watermelon water is also a good one. If He's so on a watermelon water kick, you guys. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to pretty much do it for this episode. Uh, if you like this episode, make sure that you like it or rate it or subscribe on whatever you're listening on. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts. 
I, wh- whatever the others are. Um, no show idea. us some love on whatever platform you're on. Other than that, let us know on Instagram at Make Pop Music what you want to see for future podcast episodes. We're always taking feedback. We're taking your suggestions. Uh, let us know your thoughts on this episode as well. Other than that, if you want to support the podcast and you want to support our company in general, you can head over to makepopmusic.com. On our website, we have a bunch of really cool stuff. We have sample packs. We have preset packs. We have some MIDI packs. We have a brand new course that is super fire. It's like 14 and a half hours. 76 lessons. I produce a song start to finish in real time. So if you want to check that out, that is all the paid content on our site. We also have a ton of freebies over there. So free samples, free presets, infographics, all kinds of really, really cool stuff like that. So head over to makepopmusic.com after you listen to this episode. Uh, But other than that, that is going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you for listening and we'll see you soon. Much Much love. love. Peace. Peace.